is the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. I'm Eric G. And coming up on this week's show, we will deal with the aftermath of Bedlam and take a look at what it means for both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. We'll look at our picks for the upcoming week. And I will give you some hard, fast rules for Thanksgiving as I do my best Bill Maher impersonation towards the end of the show. But let's jump into it now and talk about the aftermath of Bedlam. And I got to say, if this is the last year that Bedlam is ever played, if if the Big 12 would just do us all a favor and for the next two years not schedule Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, we'd be a lot better off. Now, you may not share that opinion because you either went to OU or went to OSU and you love Bedlam. You love talking trash to your coworkers. You love talking trash to your high school friends that went to one school or another or root for one school of the other. But I'm I'm out. I I I am out on Bedlam after this year. And the, and the reason I am out on Bedlam is I am so tired of the lazy low-hanging fruit opinion that Mike Gundy cannot coach in this game. Like, like somehow, everything that he has done, okay, winning a conference championship, playing for another conference championship, having more 10-win seasons than any coach in Oklahoma State history, constantly getting to bowl games, having Oklahoma State in a position where they can win um, between 8 and 10 games every year and compete every year, Um, having dominance over Texas in the last few seasons. None of that seems to matter if this cat can't win Bedlam. This cat who can't do something that no other coach in Oklahoma State history has done. Now, sure, Bob Simmons had a winning record over OU, but it was a winning record over OU under Howard Schnellenberger and John Blake, and then along came Bob Stoops. And yeah, Les Miles beat him twice, but after Les Miles beat him twice, what did he do? He abandoned Oklahoma State to go down to Baton Rouge. And I don't think Les Miles, if he just, if he would have thought Oklahoma State was a better job than LSU or thought that you would have more success recruiting top-level talent in Stillwater, I don't think he leaves for that job. Obviously, he didn't. He left for more money, but more importantly, he left to go to a program that had won national championships and you could get top-level talent to pretty easily because the state of Louisiana is rife with with five-star type talent or high-profile kids, however you want to say it. state of Oklahoma really isn't. I mean, there's some, but there's not much. And uh, best I can tell, if you fire Mike Gundy, the recruiting base isn't going to change anytime soon. So I hear this. I hear this every single year. And it's always from the same people. It's from the same OSU media over and over again, same OSU fans over and over again that are looking for an excuse to fire not only the best coach and most successful coach in Oklahoma State history, but the only one that really understands what it takes to win in Stillwater. And the only one that had to fight with Boone Pickens and with Mike Holder for years and had to watch them spend tons of money on a sport like baseball while ignoring that you need to spend more money on football to make it better. And I'm sorry to to, to kind of start off on a rant here, but just for that opinion alone, 
I want the Big 12 starting next year because OU and Texas are going to be in two more years. If you don't know the story behind that, uh, a lot of it has to do with Fox. Fox was going to demand that both schools stay in a couple of years so they could schedule uh, some of their top-tier games, and they would like to feature OU and Texas in those top-tier games, uh, provided both schools are good. But it just, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to hear that every year because in my 50 years on the planet, there may have been two where Oklahoma State was actually better than OU from top to bottom on a roster. Uh, the year that Terry Miller and that crew went down and won a Norman, and then in 2011. Other than that, Mike Gundy can't do what really no coach in Oklahoma State history can do. And yes, it is 91-19-7. Sorry to pour salt in your wound if you're an Oklahoma State fan. But to be honest and want to run this guy off, yeah, just I'm out on that opinion. And because of that, I would just beg your mark and everybody at the Big 12 to just not schedule it anymore. Give OU and Texas an opportunity to play each other twice. But get Oklahoma State out of out of Oklahoma's shadow as, as quickly as you possibly can. And maybe people can step back and start appreciating the great job that Mike Gundy has done at Oklahoma State, the likes of which we may never see again. And I, firsthand, like I thought Brent Venables would do a better job of coaching Oklahoma than Lincoln Riley did. At this point, I'm wrong. At this point, I can tell you, sometimes that idea of just somebody being able to step in and fill the shoes of somebody else is just an absolutely wrong opinion. But yet, we'll continue to hear it. You know, as long as Bedlam has played, which again, hopefully this is the last year, um, as long as Bedlam has played and as long as OU wins that game, Mike Gundy will fall victim to the same criticism that, that he doesn't deserve. And Spencer Sanders, and I got to say this too. I know the guy threw four interceptions on Saturday. Two of them, one was a bounce. The other one, I I thought there was another one that I thought is his receiver basically. They they obviously weren't on the same page. Receiver sits down a little bit early. Sanders overthrows him. The last one was probably the most egregious, but if there's anything you gather from that 28-13 to 13 loss, any, anything you take away from it from the Oklahoma State side is the fact that Spencer Sanders is still the toughest MF in the Big 12. You have no idea how much pain that guy's got to be in, and yet he just kept going out there, kept getting hit because that offensive line is shot, um, kept running despite the fact that he was being pursued. The, the, I mean, look at the back of the guy's jersey. I mean, the back of the guy's jersey was green. It wasn't white. And that he just kept coming and coming. And that guy is a leader. That is a guy you want back in the fold next year. If there's any way to get Spencer Sanders back in the fold next year and you're Mike Gundy, you got to do it. Um, it, it. Will it sit Garrett Rangel back, maybe Gunner back a year from their development? Possibly. But after you've seen them play this year, you're probably okay with it if you're Mike Gundy. Spencer Sanders gives you the best chance to win next season. So go ahead and and do everything you can to get that guy back, which real quick, going back to the whole rant about Mike Gundy and, and kind of how we started the show off here, uh, Mike Gundy didn't throw those four interceptions. I mean, calling better plays doesn't mean that, that, that Spencer Sanders isn't going to throw interceptions. Calling better plays is this idea that Derek Derek Mason's defensive formations were crap. Dude, Lacey and Ford were out. 
The offensive line was beat up. That's how OU was able to take advantage of them. There's really not a whole heck of a lot you could do. And again, watch the game. Look at how the injuries finally took their toll on Oklahoma State, finally started to add up. And for Oklahoma, probably the best thing you can say about that game was the fact that the defense won it. Because when the offense stalled after going up 28 to nothing, it was the defense that won you the game and had those two big sacks late in the fourth quarter, which Mike Gundy had no choice but to punt. And I know a lot of people are like, ah, you got to go for it. No, punt, because Oklahoma's offense isn't going anywhere, and you're probably going to get the ball back, and you're going to get it back in better field position. Because Oklahoma certainly wasn't running time off the clock, Jeff Levy. Now that, and I get it. Sometimes I play the, you know, I play the overreactionary fan, Jeff Levy's inability to run the clock out. Now that, that of all things, if there's any coaching move that deserves criticism in the game, it's the fact that Jeff Levy could not figure out how to run the clock out. And as as Coach and I were talking about this, Coach Jones and I were talking about this on, on our show um, this week, he mentioned that, Usually, what you do, all right, if, if you've got a way to, to start milking the clock, okay, you've got some sort of conventional part of your offense that needs to be worked on. You don't install that in a week. You stall that once you get on you install that once you get on campus. And apparently Oklahoma either didn't install it or it's just not something that they work on very much. I mean, Oklahoma's offense hasn't been all that great this year. And you probably had to work on the basic stuff. And Jeff Levy, look, I'm willing to give the guy a shot. I may criticize him, but I'm willing to give the guy a shot because he wasn't calling the plays at UCF, and he wasn't calling the plays down at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin and Josh Heupel were doing both that. So the idea of, you know, we got to trust Jeff Levy. No, this is kind of, this is Jeff Levy's shot at the big time to show whether or not he can do it. And he, like a lot of other of these up-tempo, spread-offense kind of guys, they know one speed. They know to go fast. Maybe when he gets a little bit more seasoned, maybe when he gets a little bit, you know, gets better players and feels more confident in doing that, you'll see him slow down. Brent Venables even said they didn't do a very good job of that, but it is something that you have to work on. And when it comes to the offseason for Oklahoma, and you're talking about recruiting, the one thing you can say without a doubt, is there isn't a position on the field you can't make improvements at. Not a single one. Every single position can be improved. Will Oklahoma do it? It remains to be seen. And the big choices that Brent Venables has to make is how many of these scholarships are going to go to high school kids that may take a little while to develop versus how many are going to go to portal guys who can step right in and play away because you still only have 25 to give. And you got to win next year. The Heat is going to be on. If you're this bad next year, the Heat absolutely should be on Brent Venables. We can talk about it being a three-year process, but I don't know that coaches have three years anymore. I also don't know if they can build programs anymore with the way that kids are flying you know, in and out of, of the transfer portal. But those are just some of my thoughts really on, on the aftermath of, of bed. Of, of Bedlam. And probably the biggest concern to me is what does Spencer Sanders' future hold? Will he be back at Oklahoma State? He could probably make an NFL roster. 
Uh, I would think he would be something along the lines of like a Colt McCoy for an NFL career. But yeah, if I'm Spencer Sanders, I do come back for one more year because probably the best thing that's going to, probably the best you're going to be is a really good college quarterback. And yes, you can make money in the NFL, but you come back, you give Oklahoma State a chance to compete, possibly win the conference again. Yeah, come back for one more year. That would be my advice to, to Spencer Sanders. Will he? A lot of it depends on whether or not somebody tells him he can get drafted in, in, in the third round or so. And I would think the earliest he would go the third round. I think he's more like fourth, fifth, sixth round pick. But still, one hell of a tough kid, both mentally and physically. And that showed again on Saturday against Oklahoma, which, by the way, hats off to Drake Stoops for having the best game of his career. Last home game down in Norman. Uh, it was good to see that kid grow up. It was good to see a, a Stoops have a great day. He'd have been my MVP for the game. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was fantastic to see him. But ultimately, I think what you walk away from that game saying is, yeah, it was a game that was played by not two not very good teams. And we can hope that both are better next year. And I'm hoping both have played their last game against each other for a while. If, if for no other reason, I just don't have to hear that Mike Gundy opinion again. All right, coming up next here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition, uh, we'll do our picks and we'll do some hard, fast rules for Thanksgiving that you and your family need to follow. Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. All right, uh, looking at our picks last week, better than I thought. Honestly, picking OSU to win Bedlam, I thought, God, crap, you know, it all... It, it, it all really went to hell. No, it didn't. It was actually a week of three and two. In five games, we went three and two. So we're at 17, 14, and one for the season. Again, not great, but uh, we'll just take being above 500 because that's what kind of program we are in, in the picks. We're, we're kind of an Iowa State, maybe a West Virginia. Now, we'll look to go above 500 and make a bowl game. If we can do that every year, it's called success. And who knows, maybe the coach gets a bonus. But uh, we got Tech over Iowa State, uh, Texas over Kansas. <laughs> we and, and that big time, Sark, Sark saving his job on that one. Uh, we got K-State over West Virginia. We lost TCU over Baylor. We did pick TCU to win, but they didn't cover the three. Best game of the weekend was that TCU-Baylor game. And tell me, have you ever seen a football team Make a hockey change. That was the equivalent of what a hockey line change was after a shift. The entire offense goes on. You get a whole new unit to come on for the, for the field goal. And you're like, well, that isn't strange. Well, normally, you keep the offensive line on the field for extra points and field goals, not TCU. No timeouts left, and they couldn't have been calmer. They were relaxed. The way they lined up and snapped the ball, and the way that that ball was kicked made you feel like there were more like six, seven minutes left in the ball game than six, seven seconds, or seven or six seconds. That was truly amazing. What a great finish. Sonny Dykes, you're the National Coach of the Year. Good luck getting into the college football playoffs. Um, I'm actually rooting for you now. And, of course, we lost Bedlam. So, not a bad week last week. Uh, this week... We got the Friday game coming up with Texas and Baylor. That game's down in Austin. Texas, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. That's a lot of points to cover. But Baylor's coming off an emotionally tough loss to TCU. And Texas, 
Uh, they clean Kansas's clock. So I like Texas to cover the eight and a half on this one. Um, if everybody's healthy in Oklahoma State, and again, that's a big if. You know, Lacey and Ford could be out. Sanders is beat up. I'll still take Oklahoma State to cover the eight and a half against West Virginia. I'll take OU minus the two in Lubbock against Tech. Uh, TCU will cover the 10 and just absolutely throttle Iowa State. Then finally, K-State uh, will cover the 12 against Nebraska, and we'll see an all-purple Big 12 championship between the Horn Frogs and the Wildcats. And uh, listen to the podcast next week to find out how we did. Finally, it is Thanksgiving week. And Thursday, you're going to sit down and you're going to have a great meal with your family. But in order to really enjoy that meal, or more or less to participate, because sometimes you got to be a participant, you got to bring a dish, you got to bring the plates, which if you're bringing the plates, it tells you all you need to know about your cooking. Um, if they have you bring the beer, it probably also tells you all you need to know about your cooking. But hey, you're still contributing, okay? Don't ever think that you're not a contributor. You're like I was in high school football. I mean, sure, I didn't play, but I cheered, and that meant something because I encouraged my teammates. And every week I got them ready when I was on scout team. Or at least that's what I tell myself in order to sleep at night. So with that, let's get to some hard, fast rules about Thanksgiving. One, if you are cooking, if you are bringing a dish, don't experiment. If you got the recipe right and people like it, keep bringing it the way it is. The minute you experiment, like putting... I seriously heard this, raisins in dressing. And yes, we're Southern. Okay, anything below the state of Kansas is Southern. So yes, you do dressing. You do not do stuffing. Don't put raisins in the dressing. Don't put pecans in the dressing. It's just going to upset people. They're going to talk about you, not for one year, but for several years to come. I mean, that is a mistake that, that you just cannot get over. Really, it's like re-kicking to Tyreek Hill. That, that, that's what it is. You, you put pecans and raisins in the dressing, you might as well re-kick to Tyreek Hill. So don't mess with it, all right? You, you do baked mac and cheese, do baked mac and cheese. If it's a family hit, it's a hit for a reason, okay? I hate it when bands screw with their hits in, in concert. Don't be that band. Uh, second, and this is, well, this is mainly for your enjoyment, um, it, but if you're not really into football, like you don't know sports and you've got just maybe a handful of people watching the football games, don't talk to them while they're watching. If you cannot have a meaningful conversation, don't talk to them, especially, especially in this part of the country during the Cowboy game. Got a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans. They want to know what's going on in the game. They don't have time for your problems. They don't have time to find out that you got a new iPhone. They don't have time to find out that your niece has a new boyfriend and he's a loser. That's that's really, they don't care. Okay, just they don't care. Let them watch the game in peace. And especially if their job is to talk sports and they're going to have to break down that game the next day, let them watch the game. You can pick up the phone and call them after their show. Sorry, that one's you know a little bit personal. Uh Finally, no politics. No politics. You don't want any politics at at Thanksgiving table. Look, it, it, it's 2022 now, okay? I think we're all pretty aware of what side everybody's on. It's been posted on Twitter. Well, that's still a thing. Uh, it's been posted on Facebook. You've already got into fistfights over it. 
let's not do it this this Thanksgiving. Like John Lennon said, give peace a chance. Don't talk politics. Oh, and I want to add one more. No World Cup talk, period. Either during the meal and or definitely not during the football game. If you want to talk World Cup, there are enough English pubs in and around every single area of this country that I'm sure are more than glad to uh, take you in and discuss uh what, what do they call it? The beautiful game with you. But while real football is on, let's keep that to a minimum, okay? It, 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 you know what? Not even a minimum. Just zero. Zero. No World Cup talk. And if England beats America, you just have to take it and go on and realize that America is probably never going to win that particular championship unless it is the women. Okay. Thank you so much for listening this week. <laughs> I know what you're thinking after that. God, that guy's a dick. Yeah, I, I I can be okay, and 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 I I apologize, but uh, I just want everyone to have a peaceful Thanksgiving. So with that, may God bless you and your family. And in this time of year, it means so much more. Like Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. No quote this week. I'll just tell you, have a happy, safe Thanksgiving.